25 years, it seems like yesterday, but then again, it seems like we've always done this. And uh, I really have to force myself to think back to what life was like before, we, before New Beginnings existed. Um, and um, we're just, I'm, I don't know, I just, I, I don't have enough words to express the gratitude we have to God, of course, but also to all of you uh, and the ones that are not here now, that were here with us at one time, who laid down their lives, who prayed, who served, who supported this ministry. We don't forget any of those individuals. We're just so grateful for all the people that God has brought through uh, this, this ministry since 1997. And gosh, that sounds so long ago. But I want to start out with a psalm. Psalm 40, verse 10. I'm reading to you from the New Living Translation. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. And if, if I had to sum up what, how God has dealt with us over these past 25 years, I would sum it up with one word, and that is faithful. Faithful, faithful. Faithful or faithfulness can be defined as remaining loyal and steadfast, true to facts or to the original, always dependable. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a, that phrase right there describes who God is and how he has been. Always dependable, always, and always the same. Faithful is used to describe someone that has a firm and constant devotion to something or someone to which he is united by promise or a pledge. And that Bible that we hold so dear is his promises to us, his covenant with us, his pact that he's made with us when we said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So that's what this time is going to be today. Um, I so love the fact that we're able to do some of the songs that in different seasons over the past 25 years meant so much to us. Songs that encouraged us and songs that comforted us, songs that empowered us. You know, when you sing about God and you sing about his goodness, you sing about his faithfulness, you sing about the things that he's done, it just, you start forgetting about all the problems. You start putting aside all the challenges. And he's been so faithful. He's been faithful to supply the vision to begin with. He's been faithful to provide He's been faithful to protect. He's been faithful to equip. He's been faithful to anoint. And so my hope today is this, that as we share some of the things that led up to where we are today, that it's not just being happy for us, but, but that something in your heart will trigger the thoughts about how faithful he's been to you. Because if you really sat down and just set some time aside and kind of cleared your head and you start thinking back, you would realize that even in the worst of times, he's been faithful to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as you saw in that video, I want to go back to 1994. not going to spend a lot of time there because it wasn't a good year. (laughs) 1994, I began to experience... I don't want to say disillusionment, but by that point in time, I was already born again 10 years. I got saved in 1984. You've heard me share my testimony. 
So at the 10-year mark, something started to happen. I started to become disillusioned, like there's got to be more than this. What I didn't realize is when God is getting ready to position you to start stepping into the next season of life or the next level that he wants you to go to, sometimes, sometimes he will allow us to experience some dissatisfaction. It's almost like he pulls back to get you to want more. And that's what I was experiencing in 1994. And it, it was serious. It, it got serious. And so I, I started to feel this, this need, like there's gotta be, we gotta be experiencing more of the reality of God. There's gotta be more of his realness in everyday life. It can't just be about reading a book and reading stories that took place 2,000 years ago. Then I started to feel this very strong drawing to get out of the career that I had been in and to start following. Now, now mind you now, God chose a very inconvenient time for me to walk away from the career that I was in. Many of you know our testimony. We went into bankruptcy in 1990. Lost everything. Lost stuff we didn't even realize we had. But then between 90 and 92, 93, 94, everything switched and turned around and we began to prosper. We had scaled down the business that we were in to the point where we could start making some money. It was actually able to start taking a paycheck, start being able to buy our kids the things that they needed. And then God says, okay, drop this, now go in the ministry. I'm like, now? You couldn't call me two years ago and we wouldn't have anything? But you gotta learn something about God. Sometimes you gotta be willing to walk away from something to walk into something else. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to Peter, put these nets down. Come and follow me. He had to give something up. He gave, he walked away from the biggest catch he ever had in his life. And I'm sure he thought the same thing. Now you want me to leave? Now you want me to change careers? But we did. And we knew on the inside, I knew my wife started to get it. You know, as I would share things with her, that it was time for us to step up and step out in faith. And I had always wanted to attend Raymond Bible Training Center, Raymond Bible School in Tulsa, Oklahoma since, since 1985. So here it is, 1994, and I knew it was time. It was time. Looking back, man, what an eye-opener that was. I think back of what, what we were like then, having no clue of what we were looking forward to. And all I could think about, and this came back to me just this past week, how it felt like we were walking in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse 7, I want to read from the message translation. God wasn't attracted to you, because that was the struggle I had. Like, why me? I, I'm not, like, I don't have, like, my great-grandfather wasn't a pastor, and my grandfather, and my father, and all my uncles. This is brand new to us. I, I, don't, I don't even have a reference point. And I would ask the question, is it possible, is he really calling calling me? Is he really calling us as a, as a family? And I thought about that. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. That was for sure. The fact is, there was almost nothing to you. That was definitely true. He did it out of sheer love. 
Then it goes on to say, because, you know, he's speaking to the Israelites, keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. God stepped in and mightily brought you back out of that world of slavery, freed you from the iron grip of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know this, God, your God, is God indeed, a God you can depend upon. He keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations. And we had no idea what God had in store for us. I'll never forget the first time, you know, because what you're going to find out, if you didn't know already, that the Caps came to, to Bible school. Well, we all went together. Shouldn't say they came with us. We all went together. Because in the beginning, when we all were in Bible school, we really didn't know that we were all going to end up together starting this church. First Sunday, we went to church at the main church at the campus there at Ramah in Tulsa. I looked on the choir stand, and I said to myself, my God, there's more people in the choir than in the church I just left. It was, we felt so small. We felt so insignificant. We felt so like, man, our perspective of church has been so narrow and so uh, limited, you know? And so uh, this scripture just became a reality to us. Looking back at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And that's for sure. Never in a million years could we have imagined that God was going to take that little seed that he dropped in our hearts and develop it into what New Beginnings has become over the years. And it's not like, look, we've arrived. No, no, that's, that's a mistake so many ministries make. Uh, we've, we've arrived. It's 25 years. We could sit back now and enjoy. No, 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 no. This 25 years has just been a launching pad for the next 25 years. Amen. Amen. So here we are, late, late winter, 1995, and I'll try to move this along quick. I'm just trying to give you, kind of share our memories with you to give you an understanding of why we're so grateful to God for his faithfulness. Late winter of 1995, my wife and I, our kids, uh, we went to my parents' house up North Jersey. Caps were there. I actually went there. I called this whole meeting together. The Lord had been showing me something that was going wrong in our family. I mean, in our extended family. And uh, God had put a message in my heart. And that was probably one of the first times I'd ever preached, uh, especially with my family. And at the end, you know, we prayed together and everything was cool. We had food. We had time of fellowship. And uh, I remember walking over to Pastor Pam and Pastor Cat. Well, they weren't. Pam and Joe back then. And we started talking. We hadn't really seen each other that much. They, had, they were only married about six or seven months by that point in time. And he said to me, yeah, we feel like God's dealing with us to take a ride out to Ramah and check out the Bible school. And I went, are you kidding? That's all God's been showing me for the past six months. And so we reckoned, we started making plans that we were going to go out together. And uh, that was a trip. I, I don't have time to go into those details. So in the spring of 1995, I have a dream. Before we went out to try the place out, before we went out there, uh, every spring they have at Raymond what's called uh, Get Acquainted Weekend. So I have this dream. I wake up, just as I said in the video there, and I turn to my wife and I said, oh my God, we're going to Bible school, and then we're going to start a church here in Brick. Okay? Yeah, it's, it, sounded e it sounds easy now. 
Back then, it was very complicated. Very complicated. Because the church that I got born again in was still here in brick. And I didn't want to be seen in a bad light of coming here and causing problems for another church. And so I fought that. Little did I know what God had planned and how he was going to rearrange things. And that's a whole other story for another time. But I thank God for my roots in that church. And I thank God for what was deposited in us. And so we make this trip out to Tulsa. And my wife would say to me, and other people would say, are you sure? Are you sure? And I would say this. When I get out there, when I put my feet on the parking lot, when I put my feet on the grounds, I will know if it's time. So we drove out there. Uh, Pastor Pam, you didn't come with us the first time. It was Pastor Cap and my wife and I and the boys. And we, the first thing, we didn't even go to the hotel. Didn't go, first thing I said, take, Pastor Cap was driving. Because if you ever want to get any place fast, Yeah. So we drove right to the property where the Bible school was. Pulled in the parking lot. It was a Saturday afternoon. There's nobody around. So I said, stay in the truck. We had this big van. I got out of the, got out of the van, put my feet on the ground, and I went, oh, my God, yeah. Everything just jumped in here. You know, we have a saying sometimes where you have my baby jumped. Like, you remember when, when Mary visited Elizabeth? And John the Baptist jumped on, my baby jumped and was doing flips. And I knew, okay, this is time. 11 years I had waited. But we knew it was time. And so God was so faithful to us. And so we spent two wonderful, glorious years at that Bible school, sitting under Brother Kenneth Hagin, uh, learning from him. And, you know, people back then would say, oh, you're going to Rhema? Oh, you're going to hear, oh, you're under Brother Hagin? Oh, you're going to hear his faith. You're going to hear faith, faith, faith. No, all we heard was love, love, love. Amen. Because faith works by love. And that's an important thing. Amen. See, if you try to operate faith without having love, your motivation is going to be impure. But if your motive is love, then your faith will work because whatever your faith produces then is going to be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. And sometimes we put faith before we put love and it doesn't work. See, when a person tries to do things and faith, without the motivation of love, faith shuts down. And then they're forced to do everything on their own in their own strength. Think about times in your own life when things maybe seemed like they were really tough and really hard. Well, maybe it was because you tried to operate in faith without having the motive of love on the inside. It doesn't work. And so here we come to uh, May of 97. We graduate, we start packing up, coming back to New Jersey. And I'm going to be honest with you, that wasn't an easy thing to do. Leaving New Jersey to go to Tulsa, we had everything packed a month before. When it was time to come back, because it was such an awesome time out there, um, we're like, yeah, I guess we better start packing. <laughs> and, uh, but we did, and I'm glad we did. We can't believe me. It was it was challenging because our our kids just flourished out there, and it was there was a temptation to stay there. But we knew the whole reason we went out there was to come back, and so we come back and we begin to make plans to start the church. At the end of that summer, ninety seven, um, which is what I had told my wife from that dream. I said we're going to go to Bible school. We're going to come back and start a church in Brick. I said, the Lord gave me the name of the church, New Beginnings Christian. At that time, it was New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. 
Okay, and it's going to start in the fall of 97. So we come back, and literally we tried to start the church in August. But uh, we had some mix-up with some insurance papers, you know, to cover whatever facility we were going to use. And so we had to wait till September the 14th. So September the 14th, 1997, New Beginnings Christian Fellowship conducted its first service at 10 a.m. at the Drum Point Road Elementary School right down the street here. 59 people showed up. We couldn't figure out where all these people came from. Pastor Cap was our first worship leader. You guys didn't know he could sing, huh? <laughs> so we had a full worship team up on the platform. We walk in. I, my wife and I walk in and went. I turned to her and I said, <laughs> who told all these people that we were doing this? It was amazing. And we never went backwards from there. The following week, there was more and more and more. By the time Christmas came that year, we were seeing a minimum of 100 people in each service. And God was just so faithful. That, that first Sunday, we had our worship leader. We had uh, another young lady who was singing. We had our oldest son was on the drums. We had a keyboardist uh, who also played the guitar. We had a full worship team on the first Sunday. That, that doesn't happen. Now, it had been prophesied over us that the church would, be, would grow very quickly. It would be a quick work. And, um, and so that shouldn't have surprised us. We had a full children's church the first day. Pastor Pam was in charge of the children's church. My, our son Michael, who could only, what, was about 13, 14 at the time. And our son Mark and the boys and helped her. And uh, so we were able to take care of people's kids the first Sunday. And it was just awesome. We were so pumped. Then the second service came. And some of you may have heard me tell this story before. The second service came. And uh, I'm in worship. Just that's a pattern that I've always had. You know, some pastors, they stay out of the service while the worship's going on. Then they come in. Nah, I want to be in the worship. I need that anointing if I'm going to come up here and talk, you know. So I'm standing there next to my wife. Pastor Cap's on the platform. Pam's in the children's church. Pastor Joy was there with us from day one. And so as I'm standing there, I don't remember what song we were playing, I start feeling this electricity in my feet. And I hear on the inside, pinched nerve. And I went, oh, God, please don't do this to me today. God, please don't do this to me. You know, the gifts of the Spirit can start operating six months from now. Let me get this church established first, okay? And I'm standing there, and now the electricity, the electricity is coming up my legs more now, Okay. And I hear it again, pitch nerve on the left side. I went, God, please, if I'm wrong, this church is done. Nobody will ever come back next week if I miss this because I'll be labeled as a false prophet. And now it's coming up to here, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, if I don't obey him, if it hits my heart, I'm done. <laughs> the newspapers, pastor dies, second service. And I hear, I hear, pinch nerve, left hand, left side, and it's a woman. And I'm like, so I get out of my, now watch this now. Nobody had ever done, I had never seen anybody interrupt worship before. In the church we were in, the churches I was used to, that didn't happen. You ministered to people at the end of the service. So this is like, well, what am I going to do? What is this going to look like? I'm going to interrupt worship. He's on the platform with the microphone in his hand looking at me like, as I'm walking up, like, what's going on here? 
And I, walked, and I, and I stopped and, and I said what I needed to say. I said, the Lord showed me there's somebody here, a woman here with a pinched nerve on the left side. He told me later, he's up on the platform praying, oh, dear God, if there's nobody here with a pinched nerve, give them one. <laughs> He goes, or we're done. (laughs) Or this church doesn't exist anymore after this week. And sure enough, it ended up being Pastor Joy's wife, uh, who had a pinched nerve on the left side. She came up. When she came up, the anointing just hit like electricity, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I just said, hey, let's just go for it now. I'm pumped. (laughs) Like, yeah. I said, anybody that's got anything, somebody who got diverticulitis got healed that day, somebody got healed with carpal tunnel in both hands, another person got healed of hepatitis. Now, to take you back a little bit, Pastor David DeMola, who I considered my pastor, okay, who's gone home to be with the Lord now, had prophesied over us the first Sunday we came back from Bible school when we graduated. We were up there at Faith Fellowship, and there was the beginning of the minister's conference, Thousands of people there. We're hiding in the back, thinking we're just going to hang out for service. He looks. He comes off the platform and goes, Joe, is that you? I'm like, oh, my God. We had wrinkled clothes on. We hadn't even unpacked yet. We looked like homeless people. So he calls me and my wife up on the platform, and he starts crying. He starts prophesying, the anointing that's been on my life is on your life. And he said, as soon as you start having services, you're going to see miracles happen. Second service. But listen to me, God has been faithful all these years. So now we outgrow the elementary school over here. Within, we started in September. By Palm Sunday, we had outgrown the place. But watch what happened. We were known as the church of the bins. Every department of the church were in plastic bins. Because we didn't have a permanent facility. We were meeting at, at the... Um, uh, the Drum Point Road School here. Then we outgrew that, and then we went to the primary learning center. But, but before we got there, we realized we, can't, we had people coming to my house at 6 o'clock in the morning. You don't understand. We had to load everything in, in vans. And we didn't have a big... Oh, we have this little passenger van. Chairs, because they didn't have enough chairs in the school. Chairs, the pulpit, sound equipment, musical instruments, everything. Little bins for the Sunday school classes, everything. We used to, for, for the first, what? Eight years, we called ourselves the Church of the Bins. And we had such faithful ushers. You ushers, you got it made now. <laughs> the ushers back then, man, they had to set up chairs, they had to set up sound equipment, they had to do everything every Sunday. So we said, we can't keep doing this. We need a big van. We need a regular big, like 12, 15 passenger van that we could take the seats out, like a cargo van. Now, our kids were going to school at Christian School here, Calvary Academy in Lakewood. We dropped them off one morning. Now, this is probably late, no, because we started in September. This would have been probably in the winter. And we pull up one day, and they got this gigantic van outside for sale with a for sale sign on it. Big one. Only one problem. We don't have any money. So we parked the car after we dropped the kids off. And we sat there, and I pointed to that van, and I said, in the name of Jesus, nobody's going to buy you until we have enough money to afford you. And that was our confession. We'll have it, we'll have it, we'll have it. Well, guess what? 
Palm Sunday, that van was parked out in front of the Primary Learning Center here in Brick for the first Sunday service, the first Palm, Palm Sunday, and we had a big sign that said, look what the Lord has done. Okay, but let me tell you what happened. When we went to buy the van, we found out it was a staff member that worked there, and he said to us, man, I can't understand. Not one person came to look at this van the whole time. So I said, that's our fault. It's our fault. Why am I telling you stories? God is faithful. He knows the things that you need. He knows the things that are in your heart. He knows the wounds that you carry. He knows the things. Trust him. He's faithful. He'll bring it to pass. If it's something that you need. Now, the Lord had spoken to us back in 96. We were at a special meeting in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the Lord spoke to me and spoke to my wife at the exact same time, the exact same thing. This is what we heard. We were listening to the testimony of a minister who had graduated from Ramah and had gone there with just a couple of hundred bucks in his pocket and how God had prospered them, prospered their ministry and what impact they were having. And so, you know, you hear stuff like that, it encourages you. And this is what I heard in the inside. My wife heard the same exact thing. The Lord spoke to my heart and said this, I have already supplied you with everything you're ever going to need to accomplish what I called you to do. It's already been provided. There's no reason for you to pray and beg. You just thank me for what you need. Now you say, well, that's you, Pat. No, that's, that's the way he operates with all of us. God doesn't produce the thing when you need it. It's already done. God didn't wait for Adam to go into the garden to supply him with everything he needed. He supplied him everything first, then he put Adam in the garden. He knows already what you need in your garden. He already has it supplied. If you would start thanking him instead of staying up at night wailing and crying and begging, you'd probably see it a lot quicker. He's faithful. He's faithful. Amen? This is the lessons that we've learned. I want to kind of try to speed this up a little bit. But are you enjoying this so far? Yes. Here's the lessons that we've learned. Because we've seen God take us from 59 people to 100 people. When we moved to the primary learning center, we started seeing 200, 250, 300. Then we moved to the high school. The week after, two weeks after the attack happened, 911, we moved into the high school in Brick here. And we saw the numbers starting to climb. Okay. It was tough being in there because the place sat 640 people. That time we had about 300. I think Easter we had like 350 people on Easter. But you're still preaching to a half-empty room. And that, man, I used to need every ounce of faith I had to get behind that pulpit during that time because half the seats are empty. So then we left there because they honestly weren't keeping the place clean enough. People were using, bathrooms were dirty. We said, we don't need this. By that point, we had this place. We were leasing it. This used to be our teen center. It was strictly for the teenagers, this whole facility. We said, well, let's use it for us on, on the weekends, and we'll use it for the teenagers the rest of the week. So when we started coming here, now the numbers increased. Everything started increasing. And I guess probably by 2007, 2000, yeah, we bought the building in 2007. Then we started seeing the numbers climb multiple services, about 700 people a week. Then it started climbing even more. And uh, at one point before the pandemic, um, we estimate that probably about 2,000 people called New Beginnings their home. I mean, if everybody, God forbid if everybody showed up on the same Sunday, we'd be in a big problem, big problem. 
Some pastors would complain, I don't know if people don't come there. No, if we had everybody show up the same Sunday, we'd have a big problem, big problem. So thank God that that, and then we started having multiple services. Now, with three campuses, we're, we're, we're reaching thousands of people every week, whether it's in person or online. It's just amazing what God has done on a steady, continual basis. But here's what we learned. No matter what comes, no matter the difficulties that present themselves, and I need you to hear this because we've gone through a lot of discouraging times in the past couple of years. No matter if it's a terrorist attack, no matter if it's a pandemic or political upheaval, no matter what trends change in society, he is still faithful. You listening to me? No matter who's in power, no matter who's pulling the strings behind the scene, no matter what the economy looks like, he is faithful. People are going to come and people are going to go in life. But only Jesus has promised to be with us, never leave us, never forsake us. And no matter who's still with you, no matter what failures you've had to endure, no matter what successes you've accomplished, he's faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He has been faithful to us in salvation, faithful in all other areas of life. And understand this, that salvation encompasses way more than us just not going to hell. I don't know what it is with us with Christians. We think, okay, I'm saved, not going to hell. No, you're saved, but that Greek word that's used all throughout the New Testament for salvation covers way more than you and I just going to heaven. It, it actually affects more here on earth than it affects. The one thing it does for us, it qualifies us for eternity. But we're not there yet. And we really can't fathom what eternity is like. We know this life. But because that word is used in the New Testament in Greek for salvation, it encompasses not just spending eternity with God. It encompasses health here on earth, prosperity here on earth, peace, stability, wholeness. That sense of contentment is all included in that concept of salvation because so many Christians have gotten brainwashed, think, well, I'm going to suffer here on earth, but someday I'm going to go to heaven. No, no, Jesus is just as concerned with the time that we have here on earth as he was concerned going to the cross so that we could spend eternity with him. Are you listening to me? He's faithful. Well, I know someday. I know, no, now, not someday. He's faithful now. Well, I know someday I'll be healed. No, he's faithful now. Well, I know someday I'm going to see him in eternity. Yes, but he's faithful now. Are you listening to me? Turn to somebody and say, he's faithful now. And he continues to be faithful. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. This is what I want to get in your heart today. Not that you know our stories, and trust me, I could stay here till 4 o'clock this afternoon and tell you story after story after story of the faithfulness of God, the things that he did for us, how he supplied all of our needs. It's just amazing, amazing stories. But listen to Hebrews chapter 10, because I want to get this in your heart. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises what? 
Come on, guys, say it like it means something. Look at that. Unswervingly. As soon as I read this in this translation, I went, oh my God, this person must have lived in Bricktown. In Ocean County. Because what do you see now? Because there's so many people living here now. Okay? And what do you see? You go down the street, and what do you see? Cars swerving. Why? Oh, they're on the phone. You can tell right away from two blocks behind, that one's on the phone, that one's on the phone. Why? Because what are they doing? Swerving. You, I, I, I want to pull down the window and go, hey, pick a lane. Whichever one you want, but just stay in one. Unswervingly. Watch this now. Unswervingly means without deviation. Focused. Determined. Are you listening? Let me read it to you again now with those definitions in your mind. Let us, let us, let us. We want God to be faithful all the time. Yes or no? Yes. We want him to be faithful, but what about us? We're supposed to be unswervingly. We're supposed to hold on uns, without deviation, without changing lanes. We're supposed to hold on unswervingly straight to the hope we profess because he who promised us is what? Faithful. 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 Doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I give you one more story? Then we'll wrap it up. Because this is the one that clenched it for me, that God is faithful. We're going to graduate from Ramah, May 97. About April, because, you know, springtime hits way earlier there in Tulsa than it hits New Jersey. So there was a few families that we had gotten friendly with and kids that our, our, our kids went to school with. And these families got together and they wanted to have a picnic for us before we left, New Jersey, uh, left for New Jersey. And so at that picnic, uh, I found out that one of the teachers that was in their school was a professional cabinet maker. Furniture, this guy made furniture. I had been saying to my wife, I don't know why I was fixated on this one thing, but I kept saying to my wife, well, you know, we get started out there. You know, we knew we weren't, we weren't gonna have a building right away. We figured we were gonna start in a school someplace. I said, we can get folding chairs any place if we need them. The schools usually have them. We'll have to rent sound equipment. But I kept getting fixated. What am I going to do for a pulpit? Where am I going to get a pulpit? It's not like this pulpits are us that you can go there and, and pick one. And, especially here in New Jersey. So I said to this guy, I got all excited. I said, hey, listen, would you be able to build a pulpit for me? I want to pay you. I don't want you to do it for nothing. I understand that you're... You're pretty expert at these. Yeah, sure, I could do that. I said, good. I'll design it, give you the measurements, tell you what kind of wood I want to use, what kind of finish, everything. You'll do this. Yeah, I'll do this. So now I figured, okay, that's April. We're not leaving until the end of June. We should be okay. I draw the thing up, design what I want it to look like, measurements, what type of wood. I want this thing to be made out of oak, okay? I want the kind of finish. Get him the, 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 the dimensions. There. Get him all the information. Okay, good. Uh, see him at one point about a month later. Hey, we're good with that pulpit, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Got everything going. A week before we're ready to leave, we're packing the truck. And I went, we got to make room for this pulpit here. So I contact the guy. And he says to me, oh, you were serious? I'm like, oh, my God. This guy's about to find out what people from New Jersey are like. I said to him, am I serious? I said, listen, buddy, I don't know how you guys are around here. 
But where I come from, when we say something, we mean it. I said, okay, I don't know what we're going to do. But we just have to trust God. Pack up the truck. We come back to New Jersey. We get here very end of June, first couple of days of July. Now, before we left to go to Tulsa, we had lived in Lakewood. We were living in Lakewood right near Ocean County Park. And across the street from us, I mean directly across the street from us, was a little African-American Pentecostal lady. Now, you got to understand something. I had never been around Pentecostals before. I've been around charismatic, word of faith people. But all the time, Pentecostal, I mean, I'm talking no makeup, you know, hair, uh, uh, no, I'm talking about her name is Sister Helen. And she would say to me, I know how to live holy. I'm like, praise God. She would call me up. Now, watch this now. When we first met her, she started calling me Pastor Joe. I came across the street and said to my wife, <laughs> lady across the street is calling me Pastor Joe. I said, I guess it's part of the culture. I don't understand it. For two years, the miracles that would take place in this woman's house, she'd call me up and go, Pastor Joe, I need you to come across the street. I need you to pray. I would walk across the threshold in that woman's house, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come down, and we would see miracles happen in that house. Amen? So when it's time to leave to go to Oklahoma, she cooked us up a whole bunch of fried chicken and all kinds of stuff to take on the road with us, and she said this to me. I know you thought I was crazy when I called you Pastor Joe. Now, mind you, she's this tall. She goes, but I called you what the Holy Ghost told me to call you. And she would say to me, if you see that light on upstairs late at night, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Well, we come back and we want to go visit Sister Helen. So we go, we go to her house, we sit down. I don't know, I haven't cut iced tea or something, coffee. I don't know what it was. And she says to me, so when you're starting your church? I said, well, we're going to try, you know, by the end of the summer, early September. You have everything you need? I said, well, I know the schools have chairs and we're going to rent um, sound equipment. I said, but it's funny you should ask. And I told her the story about the pulpit. <laughs> and she stands up and goes, I got your pulpit. Wow. I'm like, what? She goes on to tell us that 18 months before the Lord spoke to her and told her to have a pulpit built, she didn't know who it was for. She didn't know what it was for. She said, you come next week, pick me up, and I'll take you where it is. I did. I came by, picked up, drove all the way to Trenton. She takes me into Trenton at this house, old house in the basement. The house is so old, the basement's got a dirt floor. And sitting on top of a piece of carpet You ready? That is the exact pulpit that I designed in Tulsa. The exact dimensions, the exact wood, the exact finish. 18 months before we needed it, God had put it on this woman's heart to have that pulpit built. So when she stood up and went, I got your pulpit. I'm like, are you kidding me? That clinched it for us. 
When I tell you that he's faithful, he's faithful. And so September the 14th, 1997, at the very first service, I preached from this pulpit and did for many years. Unfortunately, it's gotten beat up. We had some leaks in the building here and the thing got wet and it started to warp, but I will never get rid of this thing. And you promise me when I'm gone, you hold on to this. This is the faithfulness of God in demonstration. Are you listening to me? So now you're saying to yourself, fine, these are wonderful stories. This is awesome of God's faithfulness. Where do we go from here? What's next? Come on out here. Well, here's the next phase. Here is the next campus, I would say, that in the next couple of months, we would be launching Iglesia Nueva Esperanza under the leadership of Victor Martinez. You listening? Because here's, here's, for the past 15 years plus, I've had the desire in my heart to take what we do at New Beginnings and make it available to the to Latino community because here's what we have happening here. There are many of you here that are in that community that your relatives would love to come, but they don't speak English. And so you're forced to go to one church, they're forced to go to another church. And so now, we just take everything we're doing and put it in Spanish. Amen. So, Nueva Esperanza at New Beginnings Brick Campus. We will have way more details for you over the next couple of weeks. Victor? Well, amen. Por 15 años. Por 15, más de 15 años, él ha tenido esta visión. Y no podemos esperar, estamos emocionados en conocerlos a todos, las familias, y predicar la palabra de Dios a nuestras familias, a las comunidades que nosotros tenemos. Amén. 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 Not yet, but it's coming. It's coming. So here it is. It's time. It's time. time. It's time. Uh, you can't ignore it anymore, and uh, we have a job to do. Amen. Amen. So I thank God for all of you. I thank God for the people who have served all throughout the years. Some which have moved on. They took what they learned. They went and blessed other people, and some moved out of state and whatever. I thank God for the people that helped us in the early years, those that are still with us. I pray for them all the time, the people that sowed their lives here, sowed their finances, their prayers, their love. I thank God for those of you that are serving now. For those of you that are not yet serving, you're really not part of the church until you serve. Because that's when you really get to know your family, you really get to know your brothers and sisters. And so I, I urge you to please take that step and get involved someplace. Amen. I thank God for my wife, for our children, 
for the caps, for the ones in the beginning that carried the heavy load for the first couple of decades. And um, grateful, can't, can't, cannot express to you the gratitude. Pastor Beth, you've been here with us since 98. Pastor Joy, who was here last night, uh, we, we, when I first came back from Bible school to New Jersey, he found out where I was, gave me a call, said, what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to start a church. What? I said, yeah, what do you think I went away for two years for? He said, well, guess what? I'll come and help you for the first couple of weeks until you get some ushers raised up. 25 years later, he's still here. <laughs> I thank God for those of you that have been with us from the early years, those of you that uh, transitioned with us throughout all these seasons and times. And we're just so grateful. But listen, that's wonderful, but that's done. Now it's time to look forward to the future. Now it's time to look forward to doing church now in 2022. With all the challenges that face us, with all the opportunities and adventures that we have ahead of us. If you're new here, I welcome you on this adventure with us. It's been a wild ride, and it's going to get better and better and better. Amen. 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 Why don't you stand up? We'll pray and we'll be dismissed. You guys coming out? Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something that I've shared today, Father God. Would have sparked something in the hearts of every individual that are here right now. To look to your faithfulness, to, to just plant their feet steady and say, I'm going to trust God no matter what it looks like, no matter what it seems like in the natural, I'm going to trust you, Lord. And I'm going to see the faithfulness of God manifested in this situation. Father, I thank you, God, for all that you've done these years. I thank you for what we have to look forward to. I thank you for your blessing, Father God, on this next season, Lord. We just thank you. You said go and preach the gospel to every nation, Father. And Lord, we're venturing to do exactly that. We thank you for your provision, for your favor, for your anointing. I thank you, Father God, for every single person that calls this place home, whether it's here in Brick, whether it's in Wall Township, whether it's in Bayville, Father, and for the future families that will touch, for the future individuals, Father God, that will come to know you through the influence of New Beginnings Church, we say thank you. I pray your blessing upon every individual that's standing here right now. Blessings of peace and blessings of joy. Blessings of health and blessings of prosperity. Blessings, Father, of a life that's stable in you, Father. And we'll always give you all the glory, always give you all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Why don't you allow the music ministry to dismiss us? Let's go out of this place joyful, celebrating. Amen. 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 God bless you.